listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. and the importance of not outsourcing the understanding of how our business is doing financially. So really hone in on some of these concepts. I've pulled out the ones that I believe are most important uh, for us to know so that when we, if we start our company or when we work with another entrepreneurial venture that uh, we vehemently understand these core concepts. Uh, preparing and using financial statements. Uh, we're gonna add some context to this, the learning objectives, uh, we'll talk about throughout. So uh, basic accounting concepts, we talked last time about generally accepted accounting principles. The world of accounting has to function with some clear rules, boundaries, and parameters. And these generally accepted accounting principles are how uh, tax accountants, accountants, how public companies, how they review some of their books. So it just gives a baseline for reporting structures within organizations. So if an entrepreneur was capable of just calling revenue revenue whenever they want to and calling certain expenses whatever they wanted to they would be able to manipulate their books so these generally accepted accounting principles give some basis and guideline onto how we go about presenting our income statements our balance sheets and our cash flow statements and last time we also talked about this concept of accrual accounting it is recording revenue when recognized and not realized so when we sell something and we invoice a customer and we have a signed proposal we can capture that sale as revenue on our income statement, even though we didn't actually receive the cash from that customer. We can still call that revenue when we put together our income statement. So that's accrual accounting versus cash accounting. And the majority of companies, especially smaller businesses, do accounting on an accrual basis. Depreciation is a uh, concept that you're gonna hear often in accounting and finance because it is a non-cash event meaning when we depreciate our assets that we buy. So a lot of times people use vehicles. If you buy a truck for your business, when you buy that truck, it costs money. So you have an initial capital outlay. A lot of times people finance it, but let's pretend like we pay cash, $10,000 cash. Instead of calling that expense, uh, purchasing of a truck, what that is, it's an asset. You bought a $10,000 asset. And over time you have to depreciate that asset each month or each year. So you have say a six year depreciation schedule. So the costs of depreciation are incurred on a monthly basis over six years till that assets valuation is $0. It's a perceived valuation just for a depreciation schedule. Accumulated depreciation is all that depreciation of all your assets basically put together in a particular period of time. And accumulated depreciation is typically on the balance sheet. The balance sheet, the basic, idea of a balance sheet is to understand at any particular time, set time, uh, what the business is worth as far as an asset versus liabilities perspective, how much equity is in the business. It's not a valuation of one's business. It's actually typically a very, it's the least amount a business can be valued because it's something called the book value. If you liquidated everything, you would have what the owner's equity is on the balance sheet. But companies typically don't sell like that. They sell based on um, net present value of future earnings. So the balance sheet is essentially your assets 
minus your liabilities equals your owner's equity. So your liabilities and owner's equity is what equals your assets. So you want the owner's equity to be high, you want liabilities to be a little bit lower, and you want your assets, depending on how those assets are being utilized, to be high. So that's the basics of a balance sheet. Balance sheet assets, typically there's financial money, uh, physical and intangible items owned and controlled by the business, inventory, accounts receivable, and cash are big assets typically on the balance sheet. Uh, the way in which we list those assets are typically the ones that are able to be liquidated first, the easiest to be liquidated down to the ones that are a little bit more difficult to be liquidated. Okay, so liabilities, short-term liabilities and long-term liabilities uh, and owner's equity, we'll talk more about liabilities soon. So the difference between current assets and long-term assets, current assets are typically assets like inventory and cash that's gonna get utilized very quickly. Uh, Long-term assets would be equipment, sometimes real estate, investments, things that we don't tend to want to put into the business quickly. They're, they're more long-term assets. It's the same for liabilities. Liabilities are uh, debts that we're going to repay quickly, accounts payable. Typically, there's a 30 to 120-day uh, range on, on liabilities or like accounts payable that we have to pay. So those would be considered more short-term liabilities. Uh, cash is a current assets, accounts receivable, we talked about inventory, all current assets. Uh, current liabilities, payables, we talked about accounts payables, typically vendors, uh, wages that we owe our staff members, accumulated wages, or those are accrued wages, and bank loans that are quick bank loans, like lines of credit, typically large bank loans that are for a short-term period, one year or less. Long-term debts, loans that have maturities of longer than one year, typically will issue loans for 5, 10, 15 years, depending on how the market's doing. Uh, capital leases, if we were going to buy a big piece of equipment, uh, we, would, we would lease it over time and potentially buy it once that lease has expired, um, or we would finance it essentially over a long period of time. Uh, real estate, a lot of times have typical capital leases. Operating leases provide maintenance in addition to financing and are usually uh, cancelable computers, copiers, and automobiles are often financed through operating leases, balance sheet, impact operating leases, no assets or lease liabilities are recorded on the balance sheet. Uh, income statement. Basically, an income statement is recording of revenues, recording of expenses, recording of margin, and then recording of what we call overhead or more general administrative expenses. The Before you get to gross margin, those are your variable costs, your direct expenses, and we'll talk a lot more about this as we continue on. Operating income or earnings before interest and taxes. Earnings before interest and taxes, E-B-I-T, EBIT. So basically it's your revenue minus your expenses, minus your operating expenses or your general administrative expenses. And then you do not include your interest payments that you have on loans. And you do not include the taxes that are owed to the government. And that's your earnings. You're basically your operating income. And then of course, if you take out your taxes and you take out your interest, that's when you get to your net operating income or your net profit. These are just typical schedules. It's basically managerial accounting. If you take the, um, from the income statement, you take out the cost of production, you take out the cost of goods sold and you take out your inventory schedules and you look specifically at these numbers to understand your business. Those are your different schedules. Uh, statement of cash flows, basically cash coming in and cash coming out of the organization. When things are not a cash expense, they don't go into the statement of cash flows when it's not money going out or money coming in. And it's important because we talked about those accrued accrual accounting. So for instance, we could 
purchase a lot of materials, but we have 120 days until we have to pay our vendor for those materials. So in those 120 days, we can utilize the, that cash for a different function, a different reason. So that would not impact the statement of cash flows until we have to pay that vendor. So it's important to not only track our expenses, but also track our cash coming in and coming out because it matters. A small portions, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but when you start looking at hundreds of thousands, uh, it's very important. And certainly the net cash burn, how much cash are we going through and how quickly are we going through it? Uh, that's a vital uh, metric to understand, especially in the startup phases of your investment into your business and how quickly you utilize cash. Variable expenses versus fixed expenses. Variable expenses, they change based on the amount of production that you have. So the more sales you have, the more variable expenses you have. For example, labor materials. The more t-shirts you sell, the more t-shirts material you have to buy to make those t-shirts. Uh, the more uh, pools you clean, the more, more time you're going to have to pay the technicians to clean the pools. That's the labor aspect. And that changes based on sales revenue. The fixed expenses are typically expenses, no matter how much, how much output you have, how much sales you have, those fixed expenses stay the same. The insurance cost, the rent, the, some of the utilities, uh, these are things that don't really change depending on the output. Usually they change once that output reaches a certain benchmark, then those, those fixed expenses will increase, but they don't change in direct proportion or not. Um, elastic to the change in the level of output. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, very similar to EBIT, but this is EBITDA. And this takes out depreciation, amortization, which are two things that are not cash expenses. Remember, depreciation is an expense that we're accounting for, but we're not actually paying cash for it. We're depreciating our assets. It's just another indication of how is the company doing um, that's a little bit more uh, investor focused than net profit. So this is just a, a chart of what would be considered break even. This is when our revenues are exceeding our total cost. So we have more money coming in to cover what money we're spending uh, running this business. So this particular example, uh, they have a number of units. And when we send ten sell 10,000 units, and those 10,000 units equate to a million dollars in sales, that's when our total cost will start to be below our total production. So every unit that we make above and beyond 10,000 units and every dollar that we bring in above and beyond $1 million, we're going to be earning a margin on that dollar. So we're at that break-even point is critical to understand that this is where if we operate too much below that break-even point, then our company will eventually fail because it's burning too much cash. We're not making money. But above that break-even point is where we can start earning that margin to start creating that profit. So that's an important metric to understand. Evaluating operating and financial performance. This is, we talked a lot about this in the previous classes of these stages of an organization. So when we talk about funding our venture, when we talk about um, these different financial metrics that are important, we also have to consider, well, what stage is this venture in? Is it the development stage is really the business planning stage prior to launch, which sometimes does take uh, financing in order to make it happen. For instance, if you're in a development stage for two years, you're going to have to pay the founders. You're going to have to invest in technology. You're going to have to invest in branding and website design prior to actually launching the company. So that would be more into the startup stage. 
So we have the development and startup stages, we have the survival stage, then we have the rapid growth stage, and then obviously we have the early maturity stage. So these are the different types of financing that you would receive during these particular stages. So if you're in a development and startup stages, you're receiving what's called seed financing and startup financing. Initial capital just to invest in the infrastructure of the business, the, the basics of creating a business. When you look at a survival business, it's a van that... Um, or you need to sign a lease for a truck in order to provide your trucking services to another company, or you need to buy those initial fruit uh, for, or you need to grow those initial fruit for your fruit stand. And how you're gonna build that fruit stand, you need to have some two by fours and go to Home Depot. This is seed financing. When you have an idea of what it's gonna take just to put your business in the market, that's your, that's your seed financing. And you have to have those numbers down in order to request those funds. So, Obviously, it's very important how much money are we bringing in and spending during those days and how quickly are we spending it and how long do we anticipate in that seed financing and startup financing section of our business where we're going to um, invest, invest, invest until we finally get to that point where we start earning income. And then, of course, how much income are we going to earn and how, when is it going to be that we're going to break even and when is it going to be that we're going to start making that margin? Those are important metrics in those beginning phases. Survival stage is, okay, we have a business plan, we have a concept, we've, we've created a, a clear need within the marketplace, and now we need some additional funding to grow our business, to hire some more staff members, to maybe launch a different revenue driver, something to bring in some more income. If I'm um, in the, the horse renting business and I have, a, I have three horses and those horses are being utilized and people are wanting to come and ride on those horses, um, and I have a couple stalls for them, it's okay, I have a demand, I have revenue, I have clients. If I just had two or three more horses, then I would be able to make more additional money. And I've already proven this concept. So in the survival stage, I need a first round of financing to make sure this is possible. And there's more avenues uh, that we can seek financing for that type of business because it's a, they got a demonstrated business model. Um, as you can see over to the right, um, the entrepreneur obviously can provide some money, venture capital, some angels, uh, and sometimes some commercial banks. When we get into this rapid growth stage, that's when we have that second round. Uh, that's when we have some more access to commercial banks and some more access to investment bankers. That would mean that we're growing at a rapid rate. And if we don't invest in our business, it's going to be harder to maintain that pace or potentially we have too much um, operating expenses to um, continue unless we do certain metrics in our business or invest in our business somehow. Uh, to make it better. Um, and the competition certainly is a lot stronger in these particular phases, depending. Financial ratios, trend analysis, cross-section analysis, and industry comparable analysis. These are, financial ratios are vitally important in order to gauge how your business is doing comparatively to others. And also the survival rate of your business. If you, and financial ratios are used a lot when it comes to um, people looking at your business model and looking at the investment opportunity, they want to know, okay, for every dollar that you sell, how much, what's the ratio, the percentage of dollars that I'm going to get in a gross margin? And then from there, what's the ratio of every dollar that I sell that I'm actually going to make in net profit? So these, those basic ratios are just a quick way for people to understand percentage-wise uh, what we're working with here. So those are financial ratios. Trend analysis, um, we'll talk about in a little bit. So this is a basic income statement. You have 2018 and you have 2019 sales. And it's important you have these two different years so you can see the differences in these two different years. And then you have your cost of goods sold and your gross profit. So let's look at, so if you have your net sales 
and you can see from 2018 to 2019, net sales increased about $125,000 or more, $140,000. So if you can see our cost of goods sold, our cost of goods sold also increased. That's a variable cost. As sales goes up, so does cost of goods sold. So the question is, as sales went up, did cost of goods sold go up at the same amount to basically keep profits the same? Or did we create more gross profit by an increase in sales? And the answer to that question is we created more gross profit by an increase in sales. As you can see, we sold a ton more, but our costs went up a ton as well. So it's not always great. You don't always get that dollar for dollar additional value add for because you have costs. You have these running expenses, these variable expenses that take away from your gross profit. And this is when we start getting into efficiency conversations of, okay, now that we're operating at a higher level, why can't we have less cost of goods sold? And we can talk about that another time. So once you get your gross profit, these expenses right here would be called fixed expenses, administrative expenses, marketing expenses, research, development, depreciation. These expenses don't theoretically change in accordance to the difference in net sales. So as net sales goes up, these administrative expenses look like it went up a little bit, but certainly not as much as this. As you can see, our marketing expenses did not go up that much at all. And our research and development expenses hardly went up. Our depreciation hardly went up. So our earnings before interest and taxes, 42 here, 47 here. It's only $5,000 more at such a higher level of net sales. So as you can see, you know, they sold a ton more, but the actual earnings that they made on it was a little bit less, but at least it went up. So we know that when we sell more, then our, our earnings will also go up. That's a key metric that people look into. But look at this net income. You can see net income here was higher than it was here. It looks like our interest expense was super high. Maybe we took out a loan of sorts and we're paying more in interest. And certainly, as we can see, our administrative expenses went up a lot. So we must have hired a few additional people there um, to help offset some of this cost of production. So here's a, a balance sheet. You can see that our assets from 2017 to 2018 to 2019 went from 317 to 343 to 446. So we're increasing our assets. Not always a good thing, especially if you we go and look at our, our total liabilities. So if you look at our total current liabilities, it, we got 95, 110, 204. So they're going up. We're owing people more money. Uh, looks like we have a short-term bank loan here and that loan balance is increasing, must be taking out additional funds and our payables are increasing as well. But look at our assets. Our assets are increasing a lot. Our cash stance really isn't going up a lot. Our receivables are going up a lot, which means we're selling more. Our inventories are going up a good amount. So those hopefully can be turned into cash fairly quickly. And our current assets are going up. Um, our equipment looks like it's about the same. Looks like we made an investment here of about $50,000 worth of equipment. And But the point is I'm trying to understand the health of this business by briefly looking at this asset uh, accumulation over time. And then I also want to look at the liabilities accumulation over time as well. So... Our total current liabilities are pretty high right here. Uh, now let's take a look at the um, owner's equity. So, all right, back in 2017, assets minus uh, liabilities, which is long-term debt, 100. Um, total liabilities, 190, 195,000. 
Take it away from 317. This is what we're left with. Our owner's equity is going up. This is usually a good thing. So our equity in the business is increasing. And um, then you see, obviously, you can see how these two balance. So that's an example of a balance sheet, a cash flow statement. Uh, and these are metrics of only cash coming in and only cash going out. So as you can see, the net income, essentially retained earnings, money that has been kept in the business um, is a plus here. This is how much money we made in 2018. This is how much money we made in 2019. We added back our depreciation because depreciation is not a cash expense. It's actually a, uh, it's just a fictitious number that we, we utilize as an expense to depreciate our assets. Uh, we paid for um, increase in receivables. So this is an increase in accounts receivable. So that means less cash you know, because we're, those people haven't been paying us, they're going to owe us money An increase in inventory. That means we've been purchasing more inventory, we've been spending cash, uh, increase in payables and increase in accrued liabilities. So net cash flow from operations. So we got $6,000 excess cash here and it looks like we have a cash shortage or a shortfall here. So this, this cash flow statement is very similar to what our, what our bank statement would look like. Um, in the bank, but obviously it's more detailed as to, okay, where is this cash expected to come from or where is this cash, where has it gone to in more details than just our, our bank statement. It looks a little bit more futuristic. Our cash burn rate we talked about um, as a venture, especially in the beginning years, utilizes cash. How quickly is it burning through cash? And when are we going to start seeing that cash burn rate kind of slow down a little bit? Cash burn rate is good at first when we want to utilize that money to invest in the business. But after a while, we want that cash burn rate to start coming down. Uh, leverage ratio. How much debt do we have in our business? How much are we leveraged? Indicates the extent to which our venture is in debt and its ability to repay its debt obligations. Loan principal amount, dollar amount borrowed from a lender, interest dollar amount paid on a loan to a lender as comprehension compensation for making a loan. Uh, profitability ratios, a lot of times these, these vary depending on industry because certain industries may have high profitability ratios, but they require a significant amount of initial investment uh, like technologies, uh, like certain kinds of, for instance, like grocery stores, you're going to have to build that infrastructure out before you start creating that, that, um, that profit. Uh, certain service businesses uh, may not need as much initial investment, uh, car wash business, a uh, laundromat, these kinds of things. And they have low profit margins over time, but they're consistent profit margins and they're pretty reliable because they're sort of commodities. So profit ratios are important, but we don't always look at, okay, this has a low profit ratio versus a high profit ratio. This business must be a bad business and this business must be a good business. We have to look into more details about the business before we really analyze those profitability ratios. Efficiency ratios indicates how efficiently a venture uses its assets in producing sales. Again, those are just ratios to quickly understand the viability of a business model and how effective it's utilizing uh, what it has, its resources. This is an important one I kept in here for net profit margin because it's really important to understand this number. Uh, how much are we selling and how much money are we making on what we sold? And it's amazing how much expense is associated with a business to realize that, wow, at the end of the day, my net profit after taxes, interest, um, fixed costs, uh, variable costs, after I pay myself, after I pay, everyone's paid, here's how much money is left over. But the reality is when we have a profit margin and when it's 
consistent, when we know that we're going to make a profit all the time and we're doing a good job with our accounting, we're smart with our accounting, this is a good thing. And if you can keep doing that, you're in business, you're making your payroll, you're paying all of your expenses, you're paying yourself as the entrepreneur. A lot of times you can take that excess cash and invest it back into the business, which theoretically should increase those profit margins over time. And this is what we talked about. These ratios help you compare your business and the profit margin you have, the gross margin you have, the leverage ratios that you have compared to other businesses within your industry. It gives you a good benchmark as to how am I doing compared to some of these other players out there. So managing cash flow. Okay, this is a fun one uh, to look at because I enjoy this visual and I enjoy this life cycle of a business through these development stages, startup stage, survival stage, rapid growth stage, early maturity. The development stage, screen business ideas, prepare business model, plan, obtain, scene, fin financing. As you know, there's going to be different cash needs at this particular phase, and you're going to approach different types of investors, and there's different access to capital during this phase. A lot of times, the majority of the businesses, the entrepreneur will be the one funding this phase up until you can create some sort of minimum viable product to approach an angel investor, to approach a venture capitalist. And if you're seeking money, you have to have some level of justification as to what, how much money you're seeking, why, and what that money is going to be used towards. And that's really what we're doing in this class. Once we get to that startup stage, now you have a venture that is working. It has a decent amount of customers. And now you're choosing an, an organizational form. You're preparing initial financial statements. You're obtaining startup financing. So now is when you're looking at the, you're obviously, hopefully at this point, you've registered your business and you're creating what would look like a two to three year plan in your projections of what, what, how much money you're going to make, how many products you're going to sell, or uh, how many customers you're going to service, this kind of stuff. So once we get in the survival stage of the business, you're more in this game of um, an entrepreneur operating system. You have to have some way in which you're going to manage this business. And this is where a lot of times I won't generalize, but I think entrepreneurs, especially people who have this great entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit and passion sometimes get stuck when it comes to now I have to learn how to lead people, not just myself. And I have to learn how to create a system that works effectively over time and almost take me out of that role. So I want to remove my position within an organization. This starts to happen around that survival stage. And if entrepreneurs can successfully do that, incentivize managers to help them run the business, they can make it into this rapid growth stage um, and start injecting more capital and create something really exciting and sustainable. In some companies, which is really interesting, they can make it through all these stages within a year or they, they, it takes them 20 years to get through all these stages. Sometimes companies stay in the survival stage. Sometimes companies, unfortunately, stay in the startup stage for a decent amount of time. And it just depends on the business model, the types of financing, the um, structure of the business and the industry. And of course, you can see some options down here of liquidating, restructuring, selling or merging the business uh, and or going public in some of these rapid growth stages or early maturity stages of the venture. So we talked a lot about these already, what's happening during these particular stages. 
Uh, we'll go back here real quick. Uh, business idea, prepare the business plan, obtain seed financing, development stage, startup stage, choose organizational form, prepare initial financial statements, obtain first round financing, survival stage, monitor financial performance, project cash needs, obtain first round financing, rapid growth stage, create and build value, obtain additional financing, examine exit opportunities. Early maturity stage, manage ongoing operations, maintain and add value, obtain season financing. These short-term cash planning tools, sales schedule, purchase, purchase schedule, wages and commission schedule, and cash budget, these are certainly tools to be using that a lot of ventures use in the uh, survival stage and the um, rapid growth stage. Check with projected financials. As a check on the cash budget, you can get the exact same cash balance by constructing a full set of financial statements. That's the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. We should actively be managing these often. The income statement is going to change when you invoice customers. It's also going to change when you uh, post expenses. And those, in, that, those changes in the income statement should also change the balance sheet. And obviously, once we cut checks and when we receive checks, that changes the cash flow statement as well. The operating cycle of a business, we have some cash, we purchase some materials, we have some work in progress, we sell those materials. Uh, they become, or we create those materials, they become finished goods, we sell them, um, sales, then we have receivables, we collect the money and then the cycle starts all over again. This is the operating cycle of the business. Every business has a different operating cycle. Basically from the time you have a sale to the time you collect the money, if you're an entrepreneur, you go and sell a $5,000, uh, let's just say it's a consulting job, and it entails 20 hours of work. When you go and meet that customer, you're taking your time, energy, and effort, gas to drive there, to sit with the customer, to develop a sales presentation, to deliver them. And they say, yes, they sign a proposal and they give you a, a $1,000 check for the job, for the $10,000 job I think we were talking about that you're going to do. So now you're officially in this operating cycle. You have some cash. What are you going to do? How are you going to collect the remaining $19,000? How long does that, what does that look like? And when can we execute on this work to get this stuff done so that we can jump into the next client and the next operating cycle? So every business has this kind of flow. And a lot of companies that happens within 24 minutes, some companies that happens within 30 seconds, some companies that happens over 30 years. If you have one huge project, some companies that happens over a year, it just depends on how many people you have, what kind of business model you have. So this operating cycle, it's simple, but it's very basic. It's very important to understand. Conversion period ratio indicates the average time it takes in days. To make, we talked about this with the consulting example to convert certain current assets, cash, current assets and current liabilities into cash. So a current asset would be accounts receivable. How long does it take when I invoice a customer for them to actually give me the cash? Operating cycle, time it takes to purchase, produce and sell the ventures products, plus the time needed to collect receivables if the sales are on credit. Cash conversion cycle, sum of the inventory to sale conversion period and the sales to cash conversion period less the purchase to payment conversion period. So these are important to understand, especially if you're a, a cash heavy business, especially if you're doing a lot of work on account on credit. So you're providing services, but you're not actually receiving the money. Uh, construction business is heavy into this. They will uh, do a lot of the work just on, on an account, knowing that their customer is going to pay them. 
because there's a contract built in that if they don't pay them, then they'll get sued. But the reality is they haven't paid them and God forbid they don't pay them. That's something to consider of how long it takes to get paid and what that looks like. And also one of the things to point out too is how much money as an organization do I have to spend in order to get paid? Meaning if I, if I was to sell five homes to I'm a contractor and a developer hires me to build five homes. How much work can I do for that developer uh, with my own money if I'm operating under a contract before I, I run out of money and I need to get additional funds from the developer? And it's this constant ebb and flow, this iterative relationship process where the developer is trying to stay ahead of the contractor, but the contractor is trying to stay ahead of the developer when it comes to that cash. So it's a very dynamic business for these particular types of conversion periods for uh, like say a construction business. If I have inventory sitting in my warehouse, how long can I turn that inventory into cash? So that would mean I would have to sell an account. I would have to ship the inventory, get it out to the product. Then I'd have to invoice the customer. And then when I invoice the customer, how long does it take the customer to actually pay me? And for this particular company, it takes 105 days and 112 days. That's how long it takes when you have inventory to turn it into cash. These are, as you can tell, these are just pretty much surface level, somewhat basic things that as an entrepreneur, to know these things, to grasp these concepts, I believe is very important. And you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be certified CPA. You don't even have to be great with numbers. You just need to know basic addition, subtraction, uh, multiplication, and division. And you have to pay attention to these numbers and you have to understand them well to be able to speak about them often to investors, to business partners, to managers. Uh, we'll get better with this over time and we're learning because we're seeking the knowledge to understand. And I promise you over time, if you do the latter, if you seek knowledge to understand, it will be more enjoyable. You seek to understand for the value that it creates as an entrepreneur, as a business person and uh, for your future.